Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super-fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com Knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. The 1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. From the nation's capital, this is the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast with your host, Rob Snowett. This is episode 212 of the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast. We are going to talk about the fall turnover and the change of seasons going on right now. I'm looking for an old friend of mine named Tim Waite. Tim, if you're listening, get a hold of me. If y'all know a guy from Reston, Virginia named Tim Waite or Timothy, W-A-I-T-E, have him give me a call. So these are my observations. The rain has finally stopped. It didn't stop raining from the second week of July until about a week ago. It's now mid-October. We had our first frost warning last night. So we've had fewer rain showers, which is fantastic. The Potomac water levels are finally dropping. They are below five feet for the first time in several weeks. I haven't had to wear as much sunscreen, which is fantastic. It's one fewer thing I have to worry about right now. My flip-flops have been packed and put away. I'm now back to wearing shoes. Again, I have a policy. I don't wear anything with laces, so these are all slip-on boots. I'm having to now wear socks, and that means organizing socks and having matching clean pairs. It also means having clean pairs in the car in case a client shows up to wear waders. And for some reason, they're not wearing socks, which I had to do most of the time in case they show up in flip-flops in the summer. We put out some fake spider webs on the front of the house, the pics you wanted to decorate for Halloween. And of course, I'm going to oblige an adorable seven-year-old. Trying to decide what I can use that stuff for. Is it going to be egg patterns? Is it going to be dubbing? I'm still not sure. We also use that in little buckets to boo and to booze our neighbors. We have some neighbors without kids, so we... Did a little ding-dong dash and left them a plastic pumpkin full of airplane bottles and candy. And then the new neighbors in the neighborhood, we did their house. 
with just candy and some canned pumpkin and other random things like fake tarantulas and candy that makes you fart and makes your mouth turn blue. All good fun. In the mornings now, I'm starting to bring hot tea on the boat with me just to keep my belly warm instead of an ice-cold water. The temperatures are definitely dropping, and these are the things I'm observing. I'm starting to dig through bins under the house to take out gloves right now. I am wearing my DC United Red Knit hat just in my office because it's chilly. I'm also wearing a base layer under my Carhartts. I'm having not just to dig out these layers for my clients and myself for fall fishing, but we've got a steelhead trip coming up in a few weeks. This is going to be the latest in the season I've gone up with the crew, so I'm assuming it's going to be a little colder. So I'm not only having to change my client and adapt them to the changing weather, but I'm having to get my stuff organized. I've been tying up some black intruders based on my bacon fly, and hopefully I'll have that as a fly tying tutorial on my updated YouTube site today. If you haven't subscribed to my YouTube site, please go over there. It's just Rob Snowite on YouTube. I've been watching the water temperatures drop now a little bit faster that the ambient nighttime temperature is lower. We're also getting less light on the water, which means it's not being warmed up by direct sunlight as much during the daytime hours. I'm also having to watch those water temperatures drop because once we get into a certain metabolic temperature, the fish will absolutely be crushing food and preparing for the winter. So when that water's in the 60s to 70s, the largemouth will absolutely be putting on their feed bags. I'm now able to guide clients during the week and not have to worry about where my daughter's going to be like she was on summer vacation. I had a Turned down a couple trips because everyone in my neighborhood was on vacation in August and there was just nobody to watch my kid during the weekday. And there's absolutely no way I am going to bring her in the boat with clients. That's just not happening. I'm wearing a buff now, which is to keep my face and ears warm rather than protecting me from the sunlight. I did get a lot of sun last week and it's not a lack of sunlight. It's just you're not getting... The direct radiation burn from the sun, I'm getting it more from the wind and reflection off the water right now. And I'm going to start converting from my backpack, which carries my huge selection of bass and smallmouth slash snakehead flies, to just two or three risen fly boxes in my sling pack. I don't need to carry as much stuff because the season changes and my requirements for what I need are not going to be as massive. And as I'm sitting here in my office, I'm surrounded by plants I've been digging out of the garden. I've got probably 8 to 10 pepper plants that we dug out and now have in pots. I have got a plumeria plant back in my office for the winter. And my aquarium is starting to get a little bit more light. So the plants now are getting a little bit bigger. And the reason this is happening is because the light is lower on the horizon right now. So the angle just happens to come into my office at a better time. Less light also means that we're having to have less hours to fish, which if you want to fish in low light conditions, which is what we do this time of year, it is absolutely ideal conditions. We can fish the late sunrise in the mornings longer, and we can fish the dusk bite a little earlier each day. Sunsets are getting earlier, sunrises are getting later, and that light to the horizon is only going to get worse. As it gets around January, February, it's not high on the horizon, and you cannot do the sight casting around here I would like to do 
without having the sun at a higher angle. But it is more beneficial for us, whereas we can creep up and sneak up on fish coming from the opposite bank a little easier. We've also been noticing that these fish can see us from 30, 40 feet away. We did a podcast on hearing. We're noticing just walking up along urban sidewalks and looking down, those fish are going to dart out of the brush as soon as we come into view, right where they're sticking their heads out. There's a definite change in the smell in the air. The grassy smell with an earthy, wet leafiness is what I would describe it right now. Of course, you mix that in with airplane exhaust down at Gravelly Point, and it's not as pleasant. I'm also noticing that the leaves don't really change in October like they used to. It's still perfectly green outside. There's a maple tree by my daughter's school that changed and lost a couple of leaves. But for the most part, it's still very green here. Nick Kozak, don't text me while I am at podcasting he asks did you get recent water temps from gravelly i did not i'll text him later let's talk about some of the bugs the monarch butterflies are definitely flying in a southwestern fashion we are seeing fewer and fewer of them each day the last couple weeks on the boat we had them going by daily i've only seen one so far today looking out of my windows the bush crickets which were extremely loud in September in the evenings, have quieted down. And that is a direct correlation to the temperature. Remember, we can find out the Fahrenheit temperature by counting insect stridulations divided by a certain amount, and that will give you the Fahrenheit. And the woolly bears. We've seen a bunch of woolly bears of a variety of banded colors. I know that is one way that you can tell how winter may be. They're also saying that the size of the seeds in the persimmons that we're going to take from the abandoned frat house. You can tell what the winter is going to be like based on those. Now, the woolly bears, I forget the author, but he said if the spring peeper is the first sign of spring, the woolly bear is the autumnal site for us. Once you see those, you know that the season changing is upon us. We're having to adjust gear right now as well. Not just for the change of species, but the layering. I'm having to layer up in the mornings. And there's guys on shore in shorts and t-shirts while I'm still on shore or in a boat with a client wearing a base layer, work pants, and waders. I've also picked up a new down vest from Patagonia, which I'm thoroughly enjoying. It's lightweight, it's soft, it's packable, and it's keeping me warm. We're having to wear waders more often. Now, usually in September and early October... The first guided trips of October, the temperatures were in the 80s. I was able to put the boat in in flip-flops, but not now. That water has dropped about 15 degrees in the last week or so. It's a little colder, and I don't want to be wet in the boat all day. So I'm wearing waders just as a layering and protection precaution in the boat. If you're going to be fishing out super early or late at night, it's time to start thinking about where your headlamp is. Of course, I'm getting mine ready for early bushwhacking trips along the Salmon River if we're going to have to get up that early. Hopefully, we are not going to have to do that this year. I've had to switch over my rods. We're taking off all of our floating lines. We're putting on our shad fishing lines, which are 250 grain sink tips, a couple of full sinkers, and we're also taking out some of the two-handed rods to get longer swings. We're swinging for striped bass this time of year. There's some Places on a moving tide where you might want to bust out a 60-foot cast with the Skagit short. 
and swing that through and down below all of the spin guys on shore. Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. I already mentioned some of the plants I've had to bring in. A lot of the garden is dead. That's mostly because of the rain. Everything I planted for my winter garden has drowned. That would be all of my leeks and my spinach for the winter. We have a surplus of butternut squash, which we planted accidentally. And other than that, we pretty much only got peppers and tomatoes from the garden this year. All the zucchini died. We got two pumpkins out of the entire pumpkin patch. Not much else really survived. The goldfinches really like my Swiss chard. And they destroyed that all summer. And the squirrels were going after the tomatoes, so I got a pellet gun. Once I got that pellet gun with a sight lined up, the squirrel stopped coming in my garden. It, it knew somehow. Some of those tomato plants I grew from seed in January. These are big Cherokee purple and just old-time heirloom, as they're called, tomatoes that I spent months growing, and that squirrel just decided to start eating them, taking a bite and dropping them for the rest of the flies and animals to eat kind of upset me so that's the gear that we've had to change over for the fall i'm definitely going out with a baseball hat in my bag and my knit hat for my neighbor my young she just knitted me a black one I was wearing the green one all of last season so the leaves are changing slowly if at all we have not really a whole lot of leaves in the water. We call that the leaf hatch. So our swings are not really getting intercepted by submerged leaves. Normally this time of year, there are huge mats of subaquatic vegetation or SAVs, the LOD and the hydrilla, that break off and float downstream on the changing tide in giant, heavy, wet masses. And they always get tangled up in your fly and your swing. That's not happening this year. Not every year do we get the huge amount of weeds, and this year it may be because of the rainfall. And I know the Didymo up on the stream in Maryland that I really have no interest in fishing, called the gunpowder, that was all washed out earlier. So there's some benefits of the high water, but mostly it's just destroyed a lot of our vegetation down here in the tidal section that I really didn't get a chance to see because I haven't been out on the boat that much this summer. I'm also having to clean out some leaves from my neighbor's maple that are falling in the boat. In the springtime, it fills up with the Samaras or the helicopter seeds. And this time of year, it's filling up with wet leaves that hopefully blow out when I'm driving to the boat ramp. If not, I'll clean them out by hand. And sometimes I just have to get in there with the leaf blower and a broom and clean them out myself. The birds have definitely changed. We're seeing a lot more just ducks hanging out on the river. We saw a hawk eat a rat in front of us the other day. The ospreys are all gone. Seen a couple bald eagles. We're not seeing the terns that show up in spring. And there's only a few cormorants left. And those may hang out here for the winter. We see maybe a dozen or so around the city. 
And the songbirds have changed. I'm getting ready for the juncos to arrive, but right now it's sort of the winters. We've got the wood thrush, the chickadees, the titmice. We've got the cardinals and some finches hanging out at our bird feeder. The blue jays are harassing the squirrels. The squirrels are quite happy due to the surplus of acorns. This is one of those years where our neighborhood, your tires are just crunching, riding through the neighborhood. We found a huge pile in the gutter of acorns the other day on the way home from Trunk. I'm sorry. We found a huge pile of acorns in the street the other day on our way home from booing our neighbors. We were able to put those in front of Chipmunk Buddy who lives under a fairy house in our fairy garden. The door in the fairy house is broken, so it looks like the chipmunk comes in and out of that front door. It's rather hilarious to watch. So we've got just that sort of handful of birds that we're going to see throughout the winter. Of course, the starlings and the robins no longer migrate. The starlings never really migrated to begin with, but the robins were definitely gone this time of year and didn't show up until April. And it's just warm enough in the winters they hang around now. So it's getting quieter outside on the water, just the lack of birds chirping. And we don't really see the birds fly south like I used to as a kid. I remember seeing big flocks of birds flying south. I don't see that anymore. So we're getting ready for the Salmon River trip. I'm going to hang up on y'all and record a little YouTube video. I'm going to do a little theme on black this year and hanging out with Sam Looper, tying my bacon fly for him. And watching some Jerry French YouTube videos, I decided to combine a little bit of both of those and make my bacon fly. It's way too big right now, so I'm going to work on sizing it down. Um, getting my other gear ready, we're discussing what foods we're going to bring up for the trip and what days we're going to arrive. And that's where my focus is right now. I actually found some old fish and fly magazines in my laundry room on the bookshelf and i'm reading some of the articles about fly fishing guides on the great lakes from 18 19 years ago when a 10 foot 7 weight was considered a big rod and there weren't all these advanced skagit heads and there's one mention of ed ward no mention of intruders it's woolly buggers so there's definitely been you could call the modern great lakes or modern steelhead fly fishing that has come about in the last about 10 years. So these are just some of the observations I've been tapping down in my phone and writing down when I've got a chance. Observations on the changing season. It's been quite the rainy year. I'm super glad to be back. I'll be out in the boat the next two days. We're going to be chasing stripers on the swing. My standard fly rig right now is a Clouser, size 4. Gamakatsu BS10 with a damsel dropper. And my clousers are either going to be a blue, white, gray to match the shad. We're not seeing the stripers really busting the shad up yet. I don't know if that's a water clarity issue. It's been hard to see the minnows and smaller shad in the water just due to the water clarity or lack thereof. We're basically fishing what's been in my shad fly box, and it's fewer patterns right now. Once we start fishing the winter waters, it's just generic beadhead, beadhead uh, buggers, generic beadhead nymphs, worms, junk flies. But stripers, it's either going to be popsicles or clousers with a damselfly or a shad puff or just a generic shad fly behind it. It's nice and easy. The other clouser I'm tying is that bright yellow I got up at the Bear's Den. If you need some amazing 
Clouser materials or just Bucktail in general, give Anthony a call up at the Bears Den. That's about it. My days are pretty easy right now. My daughter's in school. She's got soccer practice on Mondays. She's got cross country on Fridays, and her games are on Saturday. So I'm having to arrange my clients around her games. She's more like a referee when she's on the pitch. When the ball goes by her, she just kind of runs with it. I'm scared for the kids on the other teams once my kid gets our aggressive athletic I'm specifically meaning my wife's aggression in uh, sports. Because remember, she played ice hockey at Ohio State, and she was a varsity athlete in anything she decided to do. You don't don't mess with the wife. I wasn't that athletic. I played on two soccer teams for quite a few years, a little lacrosse, and then I got into fishing, and I I don't care about my sports anymore. I'd rather be standing in a river swinging flies than playing in an adult league where I'm going to get hurt, twist my ankle, bust my knee, or injure myself where I can't do my job. That's why I don't skateboard anymore. So that's it. It's just a quick little throw-together podcast of my notes. I'm recording this on the new MacBook. Hopefully we're going to get some more interviews done on this now that the PC is no longer going to be used due to all the clerical errors and its stubbornness to record podcasts. So I'm going to go tie some clousers, record some YouTube just hang out, enjoy the long day, and go clean the leaves out of the boat because I got a client in the morning. Thank you for joining us for the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast. For more information or to contact Rob, please go to www.robsnowwhite.com. search for the one they call king but who will take his throne tune in to waypoint tv's battle for silver saturday may 18th from 12 to 6 p.m eastern presented by abyss battery waypoint tv a life that has the stories to back it a life to be proud of it's a Winchester life. Yeah, baby. 6-8 Western. Oh, I'll be over there, baby. Right there. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.